Okay, now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, Dada, with a very special NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview Edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, the Silver King is back once again to provide you with the only Ultimate Preview in this podcasting world for NXT's biggest event of the calendar year, not just literally, but figuratively as well. WrestleMania week is upon us, and NXT, for the first time in its history, is delivering a two-night show chock full of incredible matches, a two-night card that is just truly exceptional. And the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, is here to break it all down for you. But not only that, you guys know the Getting Over podcast always goes the extra mile. So the Silver King reached out to one of his favorites in all of NXT, the NXT Cruiserweight Champion, Santos Escobar, to join the program for the first time. I did an extensive interview with Santos Escobar where we go over his transition from Lucha Libre uh, in Mexico to trying to bring that style to WWE, the decision to drop the Phantasma name, his going up against Karrion Cross in a street fight, and what he expects from his entire WWE career. It's a fantastic interview. I'm extremely excited for you all to listen to it. That will be in the latter portion of today's show after we do our full ultimate preview for NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. As always, there are timestamps on these episodes. So if you've already listened to the Stand and Deliver preview, you wanna go back, listen to the interview a later time, all you need to do is check our episode description wherever you catch this podcast, whether It's Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, Podbean, anywhere that you can listen to podcasts, you can get the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. And I mentioned this on Twitter. You can also get us on your smart home devices. So if you have any Google devices, which is what I happen to have, Amazon devices or anything else, all you need to do is do that command and then say, play Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, and we will immediately pop up on your smart device. So I hope some of you are taking advantage of that. I appreciate all of you listening to this show. Off the top, you guys know what we talk about. Stop being marks for yourselves and go back to being a mark for me. Go back to being a mark for the Silver King Adam Silverstein and the Getting Over Podcast. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Drop a five-star rating and review. Let me know how much you love this show. And do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Not only will we do episode drops as soon as new episodes are in the air. We talk about wrestling news all week. We have pre and post show pay-per-view polls that you can participate in. And for a very select few of you who just so happen to be online Friday night, the Getting Over podcast on Twitter, once again, at Getting Overcast, now has access to Twitter spaces. What that means is we can now start doing live audio pre-shows for major events. We tested one out for SmackDown, had about 25 people listening without much notice. I appreciated it. I thought it was a lot of fun, got a lot of great feedback. So if you follow us on at Getting Overcast, you will know whenever we do one of those live shows. And I will try to uh, promote them when we are able to plan them on this podcast and certainly uh, talk ahead of time about them on Twitter. So we have a massive week of shows coming up as I've talked about. Today, again, the NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview. On Monday, we will have a special WrestleMania interview episode where the Silver King sits down one-on-one with the great one, 
Not the great one, actually. I wish we had The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, but not that far off. We have Drew McIntyre and 2021 Royal Rumble winner Bianca Belair, both on the show this coming Monday. Then on Tuesday, our WrestleMania 37 Ultimate Preview, where we break down every match and storyline on the card. We will be back Thursday, immediately after night two of NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver for instant analysis. Friday after SmackDown, we will do a very quick, about 30-minute show, a WrestleMania 37 go-home show from your favorite podcast. And then Sunday after night two of WrestleMania, we will have instant analysis of WrestleMania 37. So we have an absolutely jam-packed week. We will probably try to fit a couple live pre-show audios on Twitter spaces when the opportunity presents itself. But the truth is the Silver King on Monday is driving to Augusta, Georgia. I am on site for the 2021 Masters for work. I'll be um, not competing. I was about to say competing. I will be doing media uh, throughout the entire week. So watching these shows and doing these podcasts, it's going to be a absolutely jam-packed week. I promise you all, I will do the absolute best I can. If we are unable to do some of those live audio pre-shows this upcoming week, we will do them going forward ahead of maybe Raw, SmackDown, AEW, NXT, pay-per-views, whatever the case, whatever you guys like, the Getting Over Wrestling podcast is going to bring it to you. But what we're bringing to you today is none of that. We're kicking off WrestleMania week with that NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview. You know how we do it on the show. We're going to talk about storylines. We're going to talk about matches, predictions, and we're going to book the damn territory. We have a two-night show, so we are going to split this into parts. And once again, after we finish this Ultimate Preview, I will have my one-on-one sit-down interview with NXT Cruiserweight Champion Santos Escobar, so do not forget to stay tuned for that. But let's get into it. It is time for the NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview. It really is a mouthful. And we will start with night one, which will air on USA Network and be simulcast, by the way, commercial-free on Peacock, which is pretty damn cool. I don't know which one I'll be able to watch, again, once due to my work commitments. Uh, but I certainly will be watching as live as I can be. It is a four match card as it stands right now on night one and a five match card on night two. But we're starting with night one and let's talk about this gauntlet match where the winner will become the number one contender for Johnny Gargano's North American Championship. We have a six man gauntlet match and they will enter the match in this order. Leon Ruff and Isaiah Swerve Scott will be the first two, followed by Bronson Reed, Cameron Grimes, Dexter Loomis, and L.A. Knight. And you guys all know what I think about L.A. Knight. I did find it interesting, of course, that Knight was able to win that battle royal. Outsmarting Loomis made a lot of sense. Gave him a little bit of shine back coming off the singles loss. The shocking singles loss, by the way, to Bronson Reed. But when you break down this match and you know that Johnny Gargano is the one waiting with the North American Championship, there's really only... I mean, I guess there's technically three people who can win it. And those three people would be Bronson Reed, Dexter Loomis, and LA Knight. But you're probably not going to have Bronson Reed go up against Johnny Gargano unless you are going to change the title. If they want to change the title, Bronson Reed's the man. You have him beat Gargano. It makes total sense. Gargano doesn't get weakened at all by losing to a Colossus, which Bronson Reed, you know, is in every you know particular way. The way I see this match breaking down is you're going to have Ruff and Scott at the start. I know there's a lot of love for Ruff. I know Scott is the heel. 
you have to have Swerve kind of take that fall, right? And move forward. And I know, by the way, it's not a gauntlet match in terms of every fall a new person comes in. I think it's every three minutes. So we may have many occasions where it's triple threat, fatal four-way, maybe even fatal five-way at some point during this match. But I think you got to take Ruff out. He's had his North American Championship opportunities. You really don't need him in the match. You probably have Bronson Reed take out Swerve and be that guy just standing there on his own. Cameron Grimes comes in. You probably have Reed take out Grimes. Then you have Loomis and and Reed go at it for a while. LA Knight comes in. And I think what ultimately happens is LA Knight gets his win back over Bronson Reed and Dexter Loomis beats LA Knight, becomes that number one contender and fights Johnny Gargano for the North American Championship on night two. They've just been building up the Dexter Loomis angle for such a long time at this point that I don't know how you go in any other direction. You could make an argument that they pull a trigger with any of the other guys, Bronson Reed, LA Knight, whoever it might be. And because the Loomis storyline doesn't need this for him to get a number one contendership, you can wait another couple of weeks and then give Loomis that opportunity. But I just don't know why you would do that. You clearly are building towards this match. It is probably the only match, maybe one of two matches on the entire nine match card across two nights that I think is predictable. There's a lot of matches that really could go either way. This is one I don't think will. So I'm going to go ahead and choose Dexter Loomis winning this gauntlet match eventually and facing Johnny Gargano on night two. Now coming out of that battle royal, of course, was the much anticipated finally announced singles match between Kushida and Pete Dunne. I may have mentioned earlier in the show, nine matches on this two night card. It is indeed 10 matches, five matches on Wednesday night, five matches on Thursday night. I did forget when I was counting Kushida and Pete Dunne, but luckily I remembered it now before I taped this entire episode. So we do have that match uh, stemming from, you know, the initial challenge from Pete Dunne saying he wanted to face the best technical wrestler in NXT because he believed he was the best technical wrestler in NXT. Again, another somewhat hot shot feud, but Kushida a couple of weeks ago did mention that he thought he was the best technical wrestler. They both got eliminated from the Battle Royal together, and now they will fight singles one-on-one. It's actually not that easy to predict this match, largely because you have Pete Dunne coming off of the loss to Finn Balor. You have Kushida, who has yet to win a feud of true significance since being in NXT. And you sit here and wonder, well, how can you have both of these guys lose? You really can't. That's the biggest problem. It's NXT, for all the greatness that we talk about, they often get themselves into situations like this. So there's not a lot of true analysis that we can do here, but I think I actually have to go with Pete Dunne beating Kushida, and it's tough to say, but considering this guy's move to NXT in the United States was delayed, he finally got there, then he lost his first feud, I just don't see how you have him lose a second time. They gotta figure out something that they can do in a prominent way with Kushida at this point. But I just don't think it's beating Pete Dunne in this match. I'm gonna have Pete Dunne go ahead and beat Kushida one-on-one in this technical masterpiece that should surprise, should be massively entertaining, but ultimately will lead to Pete Dunne winning and Kushida once again losing. We also have the vacant NXT Tag Team Championship up for grabs after Danny Burch, I believe, injured his shoulder. So they had to vacate the titles. We have a triple threat match, MSK against Grizzled Young Veterans and Legato Del Fantasma. 
you guys know I'm huge Phantasma fans. Like I love this faction group. I almost said faction group. Maybe we can call it a stable. It is three people. Um, I love them. And it would make all the sense in the world really for them to win this if Santos Escobar retains the cruiserweight title against Jordan Devlin. The problem is I don't know that they're going to do that. So that brings me back to MSK and Grizzled Young Veterans. And I believe the plan was for them to strike while the iron was hot with MSK, have them beat Birch and Lorcan for the titles and move forward with another program. And I just so happen to think that's what they're going to do here. You have a triple threat match, so you don't need Grizzled Young Veterans to lose in order for MSK to win. I think you have MSK go over Legato Del Fantasma. Grizzled Young Veterans are pissed. They didn't get to win the titles, but they also didn't lose. That sets up a feud forthcoming over the next month and a half or so, where they eventually meet in an NXT tag team title match, which could definitely main event any TV show or special event that they want to do. That That's the, the match right now in the NXT tag team division. But it is WrestleMania week. I do think you want some of those really exciting moments where the faces go over. And I don't know what would be more exciting, especially when you consider most of the people challenging for titles are heels over the course of this uh, entire two-night situation. I don't really know where you get that jolt of energy from a title win if it's not MSK. So I think you have MSK come out of night one of NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver with the Tag Team Championships. We also have the NXT UK Championship on the line, Walter defending against Tommaso Ciampa. Now, this is not the strict definition of big meaty men slapping me. <laughs> but it is what I want to see. And I think it's probably Booker T who explains what we should expect from this match a little bit better. Because look, Tommaso Ciampa, everyone has seen Ciampa, not the biggest dude. And this comes from a guy who is a bigger dude, right? Uh, and he's going up against maybe the biggest dude in the entire NXT brand right now in Walter. So you're not talking to big meaty men, but what you are talking is a lot of meat slapping, especially from Walter with those big chest chops that you know he delivers. You know, this match is really interesting because... Going into it, I don't think there's any individual who actually believes that Champ is going to win the NXT UK title. If they did pull that move and NXT has been known to completely swerve us in the past, it would be epic because Walter has not been freaking pinned in a singles match in over two years. And I'm, this isn't even pandemic aided. This is just, this is how strong he's been built. And when he was defeated in a singles match, it wasn't in... NXT, it wasn't in WXW, his company. I don't even think it was in progress. It was just in some brand where he had the title and he had, had to drop it. So Walter doesn't lose singles matches. And Champa is not really someone who is obviously European. So he doesn't need to go over to NXT UK as the new champion. So it just doesn't seem like there's any actual way or reason where a title change would happen. But what can happen in this match is we can not only have the match of the night, we could have the match of the event, meaning the two-day event. And there's the possibility here. You got a lot of great matches being put on by NXT. WrestleMania, you can argue that the build is kind of weak. Some of the matches are really sick. Like it's, it's an extremely well-built card. 
there's a chance Walter and Tommaso Ciampa is the match of the week in WWE. Now, there's a lot of things that are going to go into that, including not having a lot of commercial breaks, them being given ample time to have their match. We're talking 25 minutes of Walter and Ciampa. You need that extended period of time for them to really go to that next level. But no matter what they do, no matter how long it is, it's going to be a great match. And I think for people who aren't that familiar with Walter, they're going to be really surprised at what this guy can do. I can only tell you so many times on this podcast that you need to watch the Walter Isla Dragunov match. By the way, you need to watch Walter and Pete Dunne and you need to watch Walter and Tyler Bate from last year. There's so many Walter matches that you need to see. And that's just stuff that he's done since he's been in NXT UK, not counting his entire career prior. So Walter's incredible. We know what we can do from Champa, what we can get from Champa. It's going to be a great match, but there's not enough storyline reason for them to actually change the title. It would be the biggest shock of the two days if Champa beats Walter for the NXT UK title. So I do have Walter retaining, but I do think it's going to be an awesome match and that people are going to be really pleased by the time it's over. I do hope it gets that significant period of time where we can really sink our teeth into it and enjoy it for what it is even though we kind of already know what the outcome is going to be. And then what is being billed as the main event of night one, Io Shirai defends her NXT Women's Championship against Raquel Gonzalez. Now, this is an extremely interesting match. And for a long period of time, I felt that I knew how this was going to be booked with Raquel Gonzalez going over. That was the assumption the entire time Io Shirai can get moved up to the main roster they kind of need her and they need to, I mean, there's, we could go on a tangent. I could probably talk for an hour about what WWE needs to do with its women's roster right now across Raw and SmackDown. Things are not great. Io Shirai would inject some life into it. And she has been in NXT for an extended period of time. And the women's division is so loaded to this point that they don't need her. But what dropped some doubt in my head was the go-home NXT, where Shirai tried to attack Gonzalez on four different occasions. The first three, she got absolutely brutalized. There was the moment where Gonzalez threw her through that. I guess it was like a fake wall built up where a window used to be, but it was brutal. I mean, she did legitimately go through that opening and then fall directly on the floor. So it was pretty crazy that she took that bump, but Raquel Gonzalez beat the shit out of Io Shirai. And yes, Shirai in that final segment at the very end of the show did get over on her, but... It was really just a springboard splash toppling like 12 different women. It wasn't actually Shirai taking out Raquel Gonzalez. So I'm really of a mixed mind going into this match. I will give NXT a lot of credit for creating doubt because I was sure going in that Raquel Gonzalez was going to win. I'm starting to think, look, Io Shirai has been champion for 300 days. It, you know, it probably makes sense for her to carry it a little bit longer and drop it to someone of a higher skill level because Raquel Gonzalez is still a little bit green. But then you go ahead and think about NXT and the women's division right now. And there are so many women. It is so freaking loaded that they really don't need Io Shirai anymore. It really is the opportunity for Shirai to bump up to the main roster and for NXT to put the title on a heel that will have plenty of face challengers. So ultimately, I'm going to go with my gut, even though I think there is 
total potential for them to keep the title on Shirai. I just don't think you can keep having her retain past 10 months and then say you have the deepest women's division on the planet. Something's got to give. And I believe what will give is Io Shirai giving up the NXT Women's Championship and Raquel Gonzalez taking the titles. So just to recap on night one, Dexter Loomis winning the gauntlet, MSK winning the NXT Tag Team titles, Walter retaining the NXT UK Championship, and Raquel Gonzalez becoming the brand new NXT Women's Champion. Now, we have a whole night two of this NXT TakeOver stand and deliver card to get to, as well as my sit-down one-on-one interview with NXT Cruiserweight Champion Santos Escobar. All of that is coming up. But I would be remiss, folks, if I did not remind you that promotional consideration for the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and we, the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, have an exclusive offer for you, our listeners. 20% off, 2-0, off, plus free shipping with the code GOMAN at manscaped.com. Manscaped is all about protecting men's meat, and as the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, you know we are concerned about that. They hooked us up with their Perfect Package 3.0, including the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0. This trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology. From a lifetime of trimming down low, I can tell you I have never used something so perfectly designed to get the job done. Also in that package are some products that will keep your balls dry and you smelling fresh, along with some free gifts, a pair of incredibly comfortable Manscaped boxer briefs that are high performance in nature. I don't even know what that means for boxer briefs, but that's how they advertise them. They are high performance boxer briefs, but they are legitimately very comfortable, as well as a travel bag to keep all your goodies together. Look, folks, it is time for you to trim your junk. Get 20% off with the code GOMAN at manscaped.com. Each purchase directly supports the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. I cannot stress how much I need you guys to go ahead, check out manscaped.com, use code GOMAN for 20% off plus free shipping. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls and the Silver King will thank you. Now let's move on to night two of NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. Five more matches to break down before the big show. We have the Women's Tag Team Championship NXT Women's Tag Team Championship on the line, Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart, the champions, defending against The Way. So this is an extremely interesting match because Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell are doing absolutely incredible work. In fact, longtime listeners of this podcast know there is no bigger fan of The Way as a faction than The Silver King. I think it actually is the best faction in American wrestling as of right now. It is funny. It is smart. It uses insider terms, so it really appeases the smart fans. All four of the wrestlers in the group are extremely solid. It is just tongue-in-cheek in a way that most factions these days are not, and I love the way. But when you look at the fact that they've already changed the NXT women's tag team titles basically twice, right? Like, 
They started them out of thin air and gave them to Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. And then on the first night they were awarded, they lost them to Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. And that only happened a few weeks ago at this point. I just cannot see any way, no pun intended, in which Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell go ahead and take the titles, especially because given the fact that Indy wrestling is in this match, she can easily take the fall and no one gets hurt. No one gets buried. There's no hard feelings about anything. It just, it makes sense for that to happen for Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart to be really cohesive as a team. They eliminate Candice LeRae somehow, knocking her outside of the ring, hit a new tag team finisher on Indy Hartwell and get the victory. So there's not much analysis really to do for this match. I just have a retention. It's one of, I think I, earlier I said there were two matches where you knew what the result was going to be. There's three. I think this is that third match where there's really just no way that Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart drop the titles unless they just want to completely surprise us. Now, next is the Cruiserweight Championship unification match. Santos Escobar against Jordan Devlin in a classic ladder match. You guys know the Silver King begged NXT to have Shawn Michaels come out and make this a ladder match. And somehow that actually happened. And Shawn Michaels came out and made it a ladder match. It is something, by the way, that I talked to Santos Escobar about in our interview, which you will hear later in today's show. So this match is extremely interesting, right? Because with Jordan Devlin being in NXT UK, it really does not make any sense for him to retain the title. Or for him to, I should say, become the unified champion, for him to win the ladder match. But on the other hand, what do we keep saying about Santos Escobar? The guy needs to move up the card. And I think if you want to present a scenario for him to do that without actively being pinned or submitted to like tarnish him a little bit, then a ladder match is a really good opportunity and a really good situation where you can make that happen. Now, the concern here is you do have Legato Del Fantasma. So if you're going to predict Jordan Devlin winning the ladder match, you need to make the assumption that this group is not going to interfere. Otherwise, there's really no way that Devlin beats them three-on-one and Escobar easily retains, and you don't really think twice about it. But I am definitely of a mixed mind. On one hand, Escobar should be the one to win this match. You want him to look strong. You want him to be the unified champion. You want to keep the title in the United States. And you really want him to put someone over, ultimately. But then you look at the cruiserweight division and who's actually competing for the title right now. And you don't really see that person. Like 205 Live is relatively weak. Some of these dudes that have gone after him, Austin Gray, like they're not going to be champions. I think they missed a huge opportunity to take the title off Escobar when he was in the feud with Swerve. Swerve should have been the new cruiserweight champion. They ultimately didn't go in that direction. So even though I think there's every reason that Escobar should retain. And I think if I was booking it, I probably would have him retain. And then two weeks from now on NXT, on a TV show, I'd have him drop the title, like to Kushida or, or someone of some you know significance. So even though that's what I think should happen, I'm actually going to go in the other direction and predict that Jordan Devlin wins the title because Santos Escobar is ready for an ascension. He's ready to move into either the mid-card or the main event picture in NXT. If not, just get straight up moved to Raw or SmackDown. I mean, the guy's ready to go there. And the best way to do that is to give him a clean split from the Cruiserweight division. 
And the best way to do a clean split without him getting pinned by another cruiserweight is for to have him lose a ladder match. So I do think this is extremely interesting. I have just happened to go back and watch a couple of Santos Escobar's ladder matches from the past. I saw one with Lucha Underground where he faced Phoenix. He had an eight-man ladder match back in AAA over in like 2014. He is damn good in ladder matches. So I am extremely excited for this, but I'm gonna go counter to expectation here. I'm gonna pick Jordan Devlin to unify the titles. And my guess is with that, he will remain in America for a short period of time and hopefully drop the title to someone else. But I think that's the direction they're gonna go rather than have Escobar win. We'll see. Uh, I, you know, I'd be happy to be wrong about this, but that is where I am putting my projection right now. Next up, the North American Championship, Johnny Gargano defending against a opponent to be determined, the winner of that gauntlet match on night one. So if Bronson Reed for some reason comes out of that gauntlet match, and there is reason to think he might, given he beat LA Knight one-on-one on NXT a couple of weeks ago. If Bronson Reed comes out, I would have him beating Johnny Gargano for the title. I don't think there's anyone else who would. I don't see Cameron Grimes doing it. Swerve, if for some reason they gave him that push. Loomis is just like a Bray Wyatt. He's just like an Undertaker. These guys don't need titles and they should not be motivated by titles. So Loomis, I I, I think NXT is smart enough not to pull the trigger and put the title on him because it would be very difficult to get the title off of him. And LA Knight, I just don't see how you have him beat Gargano, nor do I really see how they do a heel versus heel match like that on night two of a takeover. So I think if you want to get your best possible match, you probably do go with Bronson Reed. If you're talking about, from sorry, if you want to go from a work rate standpoint, you're picking Swerve. If number two, maybe Cameron Grimes, Bronson Reed is third. So again, this is the prediction. It's tough to know without who he's defending against. But if it's Bronson Reed, Johnny Gargano loses the title. If it's Dexter Loomis, maybe you get an Austin Theory interference. Maybe something else happens. Johnny Gargano retains the title. Once again, I love the way everything from NXT this past Wednesday with Gargano and Austin Theory was hysterical. The finger poke of doom, all of that. Absolutely loved it. But I do think Gargano retains against anyone else except Bronson Reed. So we have two matches left. And it's been promoted that Finn Balor and Karrion Cross for the NXT Championship will be the main event. But I just don't see a scenario in which Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly is not the final match on the show in an unsanctioned match. Because the way they're promoting it is that Balor and Cross is the main event, but Cole and O'Reilly is the co-main event, which would normally mean it's the penultimate match. But I'm gonna talk about them in the opposite order because as important as the NXT title is, I think the match that can really... I mean, I talked about... Walter and Champa could shock people. But the, as of right now, match that is expected to steal the show and steal the week is Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. So before we get to that, let's talk NXT Championship. Finn Balor defending the title against Karrion Cross, And as I was with this Cruiserweight title match that I just mentioned, I'm of a mixed mind for this one because the expectation from fans, no doubt, is that Triple H and NXT, they put the title on Karrion Cross. They had him beat Keith Lee. That was a really big deal. Clearly, they wanted Cross to have a long run with the title. He injured himself, just like Finn Balor did, by the way, when he won the Universal Championship in WWE. They had to take the title off of him. Balor was there. He stepped up. 
And Balor has had an incredible run with the title. Great matches against Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Pete Dunne that have just been absolute, total bangers. But then you get into this, and I gotta say, if I was booking the damn territory, I would actually have Finn Balor retain the title. Because I don't really think you need to push Karrion Cross into the NXT title. The truth is that Karrion Cross and Scarlett could be moved to Raw tomorrow and be a far better fit on Raw than they currently are on NXT. So I wouldn't even waste time putting the NXT title on him, allowing him to carry it for eight months, eventually losing to a face, and then elevating him to the main roster. But the problem is, I'm not the one actually booking the territory. And the expectation, I think, is what ultimately becomes reality. Because Finn Balor has had a lot of success against guys his size or smaller. Again, Dunn, O'Reilly, and Cole. But Karrion Cross is indeed a different animal. I like how they've changed the presentation of him, where they're no longer kind of positioning him as a demonic type of dude, where Scarlet is the only one who talks for him and he just kind of broods in the background. So now he's more of a hitman with a demonic side who has a significant other in Scarlet who basically doesn't control him, but is part of the madness that they have created together, this special world that they have. And because of that improved gimmick, I feel like he's more deserving and more appropriate to serve as an NXT champion. And also just given the fact that I feel like NXT is gonna try to reset what their plans were, you know, coming out of, I think it was Great American Bash when Keith Lee won the title and it was clear he was gonna lose it to Karrion Cross in that next match. I think they're gonna try to go back to whatever booking they had right there. I do think Karrion Cross is gonna beat Finn Balor for the title. I do think people will be unreasonably upset about it. But you really need to, going into this match, remember how great of a run Balor has had in his return to NXT and as the NXT champion. Personally, if he would be okay with it, I would love to see Finn Balor move back to the main roster. Raw could totally use an injection of the personality and gimmick that he currently has. He would also do fantastic on SmackDown, though he's not as needed there. They need a main event level superstar who's not The Fiend and who's not Randy Orton, not Drew McIntyre, not Bobby Lashley on Raw. And right now, the only person that fits that bill is Keith Lee, and he's not available. So I don't know if this is the last night in NXT for Finn Balor. If it's not, I'm totally okay with it because he's great there. But I do think it's his last night, at least for a long time, as NXT champion. I do have Karrion Cross coming out as the winner. And then last, but certainly not least, Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly in an unsanctioned match. Now, I could build this up. I could talk about the Undisputed Era storyline and really go through what these guys have been through, what the faction has been through, the decision to split it up, whether it was the right decision. Adam Cole, you know, how many times he's won the title, how he's had extremely long reigns with the NXT Championship. And we could go into it. We could go into it. And I could honestly talk about this individual match and this feud for an hour. But the NXT Prime Target actually did a fantastic job on it. And there is an extended edition that is supposed to be on Peacock prior to this match happening that I do think everybody should watch. So make sure you go and see that. But as far as this match goes, I will say I was a little dismayed because 
NXT two weeks ago ended and you had Cole and O'Reilly screaming at each other and it was already booked as an unsanctioned match. And that's good. That's totally fine. But then they showed when NXT went off the air, Cole attacking William Regal and punching him and fighting with other people. And it really felt like it was a situation where Adam Cole was wearing out his welcome in NXT, where William Regal was going to step up and say, you know what, Cole, you've been out of control. We're going to add in a stipulation to this match. You guys can't seem to get along. Even if there's a winner, I can't trust that you two will be able to remain civil in the backstage area. The loser of this match leaves NXT. And maybe that's just pure fantasy booking because I do want Adam Cole on the main roster. And I also know that there are obstacles to that happening because he does have a Twitch channel that seemingly they allow him to keep because he's on NXT. If he does go to Raw or SmackDown, presumably they would not allow him to keep that. And he makes money from that. And I assume he enjoys it because he's a video game nerd. And I don't say that in a negative way. So I don't know that he will possibly move to the main roster after this. But what I do know is it feels like he should. More so than a Champa, more so than a Gargano. Adam Cole needs to be on the main roster. And again, I know what people will say. They'll waste him. He's too small. They'll never let him get over and all this type of stuff. But man, he has so much natural charisma that I think when you look at someone like Daniel Bryan getting over to the degree that he has, you say Adam Cole can do that same thing. It may not happen right away. It may take two or three years. But Adam Cole has a lot of the the stuff that Shawn Michaels did. I know that comparison's made, you know, numerous times over. But it's because it's accurate. He has a lot of that charisma, that star power. He is a WWE superstar who needs that stage. And it's for that reason that against Kyle O'Reilly, a Kyle O'Reilly, by the way, who has already lost two NXT title matches to Finn Balor, a Kyle O'Reilly that now neither has a tag team nor a faction to go back to, Kyle O'Reilly needs to win this match. And I see no scenario really in which he doesn't. It, it wouldn't make a shred of sense unless Cole rebuilt the Undisputed Era with different people. And it was a gimmick like that where all of a sudden there's three new members, Cole get, uh, O'Reilly gets beat up, Strong ends up you know, reigniting with Riley. They form a tag team. They go up against the new Undisputed Era. That is something that could feasibly potentially happen. But if they don't do that storyline, which I don't think is the storyline that they're going to do, you have to have Kyle O'Reilly win. And then if you have Adam Cole, who has lost to Karrion Cross, he's lost twice to Finn Balor, and now he loses to his former stablemate in Kyle O'Reilly, what is there left for him to do in NXT? You're not going to have him go after the North American Championship again. You're not going to have him go after the NXT Tag Team titles. He's just kind of there. So I do think that despite not having the stipulation, this winds up being a Adam Cole leaves NXT match. I think this is his final match on the brand. And I do think Kyle O'Reilly ultimately leaves NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver by getting over on Adam Cole. But I am excited for this match. This has the opportunity to be the match of the two-day event and possibly the match of the weekend. Two of the best wrestlers in North America right in this match. And I am extremely excited for it. So that is our preview of NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. And ultimately, 
it only really looks like I'm projecting three new champions. The tag team, which is an obvious one because it's a vacant title right now, the women's championship, and the main NXT championship. Of course, the Cruiserweight title, it's a unification, so someone's going to lose the title, but someone already has the championship. But it does seem like it's just going to be an incredible two-night event again, Wednesday, April 7th, night one on USA Network and airing commercial free on Peacock, night two airing on Peacock exclusively that Thursday, April 8th. It's going to be a great show. I hope you guys loved and enjoyed the ultimate preview as I was able to break down every match on the card, but this show is not done yet. As promised, I have a one-on-one sit-down interview with the current NXT Cruiserweight Champion, Santos Escobar. It was a fun conversation. Those of you who listen to this podcast know how fond I am of Santos Escobar already before I even met him and got the got the opportunity to interview him. Coming out of this interview, I will have some comments on the back end before we get out of here. I do want to share some thoughts I had on Santos once we finish speaking. But for now, let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it. My one-on-one interview with the NXT Cruiserweight Champion, Santos Escobar. Enjoy. Thrilled to welcome the NXT Cruiserweight Champion, Santos Escobar, to the show for the very first time. Santos will be defending his title in a winner-take-all ladder match on night two of NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. The two-night event will air Wednesday, April 7th, and Thursday, April 8th on USA Network, and then on Peacock. Santos, when you signed with WWE and NXT, a lot of fans were really excited to see what you could do on the big stage in America. But with Lucha Libre so big, obviously, in Mexico, how tough of a decision was it for you to leave AAA and everything over there behind in the first place? And did you have any major concerns or regrets, even at the beginning, of going over to Impact and then WWE? No, no, no regrets whatsoever. I mean, I think sometimes you come to, well, first of all, thank you. Thank you yeah. for the opportunity to communicate. Oh, of course. And, uh, like I said, uh, you find yourself uh, in the situation where you have to make a decision. Stay, go, left, right, up, down. And uh, all those decisions are life-altering decisions. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things you have to consider. In my case, and, and this is important that not many people know it, uh, I've always wanted to be in WWE. And I, and I did my first and only tryout 11 years ago. Oh. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, it didn't happen then. Then I had an opportunity to come five years ago or so, and it didn't happen again either. So I just came to a point in my career where I said, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to try again and be a free agent and see what happens. And that's when I left AAA mm-hmm. slash Impact slash Lucha Underground. I just right. left and I was free agent for about 45 minutes because, <laughs> because I had the opportunity again and I, and I took it. I took it because not because of the money, not because of the, the, the glam or the position, but because I wanted to do it. I, I know I belong here. I knew it in my head. I knew it in my heart. And I just knew that if I had the opportunity, I would be able to prove to all the people that said that I wouldn't do it and to prove to myself 
that I was able to be an, a WWE superstar and, and a champion. And that's exactly what I am right now. Very quickly, too. Didn't take you very long to get that. Uh, so obviously, when you made that move, you were not, you did not have in your head that there would be a pandemic. And I, my assumption is you thought, hey, I'm going to go to America. I'll move to Florida. I'll work in NXT and WWE, hopefully go to Raw or SmackDown eventually down the line. But I'll still be able to come home here and there. But this past year, obviously, that has not been possible. Has that made it any more difficult for you? Or have you just been able to really sink your teeth into what you're doing in WWE? Well, like I said before, decisions, decisions. When I came here, I realized that if I was going to make it big, I had to live it all. Right. So USA is my home. I live here. So when I came here, I just moved. Mm -hmm. With everything, my wife, my kids, my dog, <laughs> everything. And I left it all behind because I wanted to put all in. You should know that the first thing that happened, even before I did my first role, I injured my knee. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I had to go through surgery six months or so for the rehab and working hard every day, morning. 7 a.m. to 1, 2 p.m. every single day. That was good for me because it reminded me of one thing. You got to stay hungry. Mm -hmm. you, and and be, in Mexico, I was a superstar, a big superstar. And I wasn't that hungry, I must admit. But when I got here and I injured myself, bro, that, that's you have to go back to the line, like really back to the line. And just being there and being around the amazing athletes and trainers and all the people at the performance center, it just got me going and just reminded me how hungry you have to be to make it in this business. And maybe it does sound like I made it really fast, but in reality, just going through that injury, just it destroyed me and remade me. And when I was given the opportunity, I was just ready to go. And then, like you said, uh, the, the COVID happened. And uh, I don't think anybody was hoping or waiting for that to happen. Right, right. It was terrible. Um, I was just ready to start. <laughs> I just had had four matches. And I had my first match on NXT. It was just uh, a dark match. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the last week that, that after that, it was closed. And so I just had to reevaluate everything. But after a few weeks, I just assessed my, my situation, my, my circumstances, and I realized that I, I, was, I was actually a fortunate person to be working under WWE umbrella because I was getting paid every week. I'm here with my family, so everyone's safe. Uh, and of course, it was just uh, about waiting, 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 waiting for things to to evolve and then have an outcome. Uh, I think we finally got it. We're getting there. Mm -hmm. And uh, what better time than Mania Week, right? Absolutely. When you came in and got injured, I was, I was going to ask you about that. So I'm glad you already covered it, which was great. But when you came in and got injured, was there a plan for you to debut on TV soon after? Or was it a situation where you were going to come in, work in the performance center, train for a bit, and then they were going to figure it out down the line? I think 
I don't know for a fact, mm -hmm. but uh, the way I've seen other people come, I think me being a big superstar in Mexico, fresh, mm -hmm. uh, I think they were going to use me. Uh, but of course, the injury happened. Right. And I think that that was kind of like a, a bummer for everyone, mm -hmm. me, but everyone else. I mean, I can't imagine what what Hunter thought or, <laughs> or Regal or I don't know, like, right. oh, God. like almost when you buy a car and it's something's wrong with it. Right. You have uh, to bring it right back. <laughs> yeah. You don't, and you can, you can give it back to the dealer. Yeah, return you. <laughs> uh, but no, I got, and let me tell you something. And this is my life. What I do, mm -hmm. uh, sports entertainment. When you see me out there and I cut a promo and I talk about lineage and heritage and blood and, tradition i relate to it. Right. It, it, it it is my life and i am a second generation wrestler and i had to go through you know like uh, uh, the, uh, the whole nine yards the big christmases very small christmases <laughs> a lot of gifts no gifts uh a lot of money no money traveling with my dad uh i had to go through everything so i deeply love and respect what we do. Right. So when I got injured, uh, I thought to myself, I'm going to have to go back. I'm going to have to go back to Mexico, get myself fixed, and then seek for another opportunity. And uh, they, they just, they told me, no, you're staying. We're going to fix you and you're staying. And for that, my friend, I will be forever thankful because this is uh, so many people say that this is a, a cutthroat business and it is in some aspects, I must say, but every now and then, every once in a while you find this kind of situation and it just, it overwhelmed me back then. And I think all of that happened. And, and I remember one person, I was really, really depressed about, You know, I was the, the the last maybe two or three years in Mexico, I was working 300 plus days a year. Right. That's no different than any WWE schedule. I was ready for it, ready to go. And then the first thing I do is get injured was a bummer. I mean, because you're presented as something and then you're not able to perform. So I was depressed and someone told me, uh, maybe this is a blessing in disguise. At the time, honest, I, I didn't see it like that. I was pissed, depressed, sad. But then after a while, I started realizing that maybe it was because I needed to adapt myself to what WWE is. I needed to understand how things are run around here. And uh, I got the opportunity to meet everyone at the Performance Center, to be at the tapings back then, and then to be at the live shows, and then to be at NXT TV uh, on USA Network. And, and, and it's just, it, got, it gave me the opportunity to just slow down, calm down, and understand and learn what our company is about. And I think when, when I was given the opportunity to just, I remember this one uh, 
meeting we had with uh, Triple H where he said, you guys have to be ready. You have to stay ready. You are part of something big. And I, I will never forget this because he said back in the Attitude Era, we didn't know it was the Attitude Era. We, we just we just go every week and and just do our best and compete with each other and try to try to steal the show. And we didn't know it. And then afterwards, we look back and realize we realized such a big deal. Mm-hmm. And he told us, and I will never forget this. I was in my crutches in the back of the room. And he said, you are part of something different and big. Don't take my word, but just sit down, relax, and realize where you are. Stay ready. Always give your best. You know, that kind of conversation. Absolutely. And it never, it never left my mind. And when my time came, I was just eager to go out there and, and demonstrate my abilities and see if my knee was ready. <laughs> and also, always, always, always have this with me. My culture, mm-hmm. my tradition. And I think it was the best thing that happened to mix Lucha Libre and WWE. I think maybe the company was waiting for me to do it. Yeah. So that debut, the, the Cruiserweight tournament, the way you performed in that, the, the storyline going on that we didn't know was connected with Legado del Fantasma happening at the same time, then you revealing yourself as Santos Escobar. We on this show were really big fans of all that, really big fans of Santos Escobar as a character as well. But what I've always wondered is, was it a tough decision for you? I, I, we're, I know you've talked about the mask before, but was it a tough decision for you not to wrestle under the Fantasma name, given your father's legacy? And how does he feel that there's now a group in the United States, in America, in WWE, honoring his legacy? Well, it was a roller coaster of emotions, <laughs> I got to tell you, because uh, I wasn't wearing my mask on the last two years in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So when I got here and I I was given the opportunity to reintroduce the Lucha Libre roots to the WWE universe, I thought the best way to do it is wearing a mask again. So I didn't tell my dad because my dad still lives in Mexico mm-hmm. and my mom. And so when they saw me, they were like, are you, you going to wear a mask again? And so he, and he was, he's the commissioner in Mexico. Right. So he, he's the guy that he's the police, the wrestling police. So uh, <laughs> he's the feds. <laughs> so he told me, you can't do that. And I told him, don't worry. I mean, it's, it's just a different country. I already knew that I wasn't going to wear it for too long, but I managed to convince him. So he was happy for me. And I kept performing. And then I go to the, the finals. I win. Everything's happy. And then next week, I reveal myself as Santos Escobar. Sure enough, I got home. Phone call from dad. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> that, <laughs> this is just uh, the way the cookie crumbles here. I mean, you got to understand that. I wanted to create a new thing, a new legacy, something different. Uh, 
I wanted to honor my country, my tradition, my culture, my dad, my lineage. And I think we found creatively mm-hmm. a way to do all that by creating this new persona of Santos Escobar, the way I carry myself, the way I dress, the way I walk, the way I talk, mm-hmm. but also by having two guys with me, we create a group, a following of people that believes the same thing I do, which is that Lucha Libre is the best style in the world. Mm-hmm. And that we, and only we possess the true roots and the true beginnings and the true everything about Lucha Libre. And go figure, the name of the group, Legado del Fantasma. So I think everyone's happy in that respect. And uh, of course, now that we had the creative, now we had to go out there and actually pull it off. Right. And I think the group is amazing. Raul, Joaquin, myself, we have Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Road Dog, uh, Terry Taylor, Fit Finlay, everyone helping us shape mm-hmm. this, this product. And I'm very happy because I don't know, because I wasn't here, how big or middle or small Lucha Libre was to the company. But I know it's big for me. Yeah. And so what I did is I, 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 only, I, I like to respect the traditions of where I go. So I said, I'm not going to make WWE or NXT uh, 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 Lucha Libre place. No, but I will adapt the Lucha Libre style to what we do. And I think I have managed to, to do it. My boys have managed to do it too. And now we have to keep growing and keep getting better because the competition here, I'll tell you, my brother, is yeah. difficult. Well, I think that's what makes Santos Escobar and Legado del Fantasma so special is a lot of times luchadors come through WWE and it's fun because it's exciting for the audience. And you guys are fun also, obviously. You're still great luchadors, great wrestlers. But it is that seriousness, the swagger, the confidence that certainly Andrade had it. And between you guys and Andrade, I don't know that WWE's really had that since like Eddie Guerrero. And I know you're a big fan of Rey Mysterio. I heard you recently talk about that Halloween Havoc, uh, you know, him giving you the, the gear that he wore for the Halloween Havoc NXT match. And I was wondering that 1997 match, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero at Halloween Havoc, what I heard you t- say that it was a special match to you, but you never really explained why. What makes that match and those two wrestlers so special to you at the time? A, a young guy, you know, a kid kind of coming up in the industry or hoping to be in the industry. I was 13 years old. The year was 1997. <laughs> and it was the first time that I saw my style on the main the, on the main show you know like on, on the american show right so to speak on, on the american on the american show doing performing lucha libre now to all of you it was cruiserweight style but mm-hmm. to me it was lucha libre and it was the first time that i realized that it could be done that it wasn't so different that these guys weren't so different than the guys i would see at my local arena they weren't huge they were. They certainly were in the uh, um, six five 
280 pounds. Mm -hmm. And they had the, the audience was there with them and the energy of the match. And just for me to realize that I could be there, I could do it. Now, I didn't know at the time how, what was the route, but just seeing that match inspired me a lot. And now I, I, I go figure. I mean, years after that, I have the opportunity to be in the same pay-per-view as the champion. Yep. I, I said to myself, <laughs> this ain't going to happen again. Right. So I called uh, uh, Ray. And Ray, being Ray, because I don't know if you know Ray, he'll give you his shirt. I mean, he's just uh, a beautiful person. And when I told him I, that I wanted to pay homage to that show, if he could lend me his wristbands or something, I was thinking something small. Mm -hmm. He sent the whole gear over. And I just lost like 15 pounds <laughs> so that I could wear it. And, right. and it just, it, it's a moment for me. It's a moment for Mexican Lucha Libre as well, I think. Just like Shawn Michaels going out there a couple of weeks ago, to me, it was it was Santos Escobar, sure, of course, but that that kid was there in the ring just watching the HBK throwing a ladder at my feet, and and so you can only imagine how I feel now being around all these people. Like the first time I met Ric Flair, ooh. Imagine, <laughs> right? It's just like you—you you can't, you can't get rid of the fan inside you, but you still have to give your poker face and you know, like, be cool. Like, hey, how you doing, sir? Nice to meet you. <laughs> Whatever. But inside, you're like, you want to take a picture. You want, you know, absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very happy, and I'm sure that this energy will go on because I just feel so comfortable being here. When the cruiserweight championship match was announced, what we were talking about on the show was how is Shawn Michaels in NXT and they're not going to do a ladder match because there was the Shawn Michaels razor Ramon ladder match for the intercontinental title. And I was saying to my audience that was listening, it's like, they got to do a ladder match. Like they're going to be crazy if they don't do it. Shawn Michaels comes out the next week for the moment you're talking about. And it paid off for me. It was like, oh, like all the tingling, you know, like that's exactly what I wanted it to be. So you're going to be facing Jordan Devlin in that ladder match next week to determine the single cruiserweight champion in NXT, the real cruiserweight champion of NXT. But you've had some crazy ladder matches in the past. The one with Phoenix from a few years ago comes to mind. And I just a couple of days ago, I had to, it was pretty tough to find. I found the AAA ladder match, the eight man that was crazy like seven years ago or so, but they've been great. I'm wondering if you think this ladder match now in NXT is your opportunity. You're already a big name. People know who you are, but to really separate yourself from the pack. I think so. Yes, I believe so. Uh, not because of, uh, of anything, but the fact that this is the week where everyone's watching. Mm -hmm. It is the biggest week in sports entertainment. We, we're just coming out of a crazy pandemic. People's eager to see stuff. And I'm on night two, which is going to be on Peacock. Mm -hmm. It has 33 million subscribers or so. 
So no pressure. <laughs> right. Perform at your best. But I was made for that. You know, like I, I remember my mom always saying that to me, like you, I don't know. I mean, I have my own kids now and I give them pep talks, you know, like you will be these, you will be that. My mom was always telling me, you're going to be the best at this. You're going to be the best at that. You're going to be great at this and great. And you, as a kid, you don't, you don't think you're going to be the best at nothing. You're just a kid. You want to play. And then you start believing that if you work hard enough, that, it, that, it, that if you have what it takes, which is, I think, that's what my mom saw, that I had what it took to, to get there and to be. Like, I remember this one time I told her, I want to go to WWE. And, he said, and she said, you will go there. I, like I said, I didn't know how. But when, when you have the, first of all, when you want something bad enough and you have the talent, the will, and you're willing to sacrifice whatever it takes, you will get there. Yep. That's it. And you are there. You will be in that NXT Cruiserweight Championship ladder match on night two of NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. The two-night event airs Wednesday, April 7th on USA Network and Thursday, April 8th on Peacock. Santos Escobar, I appreciate you taking all the time. Best of luck this week. And man, I cannot wait to see what's next for you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And, and just to remind all our WWE universe, NXT universe, tune in. Night one, Raquel Gonzalez versus Io Shirai, Legado del Fantasma mm -hmm. for the Tag Team Championships, Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, and of course, night two, very important for you to tune in. Undisputed Cruiserweight match, ladder match, of course. Adam Cole unsanctioned match with Kylie Riley and Killer Cross versus Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano versus who knows, mm -hmm. but it's a stacked card and we're ready to perform at our max and just explode for everyone to enjoy and put smiles on people's faces. Stacked card, as you said. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Adam. Man, that was awesome. Absolutely loved talking to Santos Escobar. Totally insightful. And the biggest takeaway I had coming out of that interview, and this is something that I actually contacted WWE. I have a couple contacts over there. Obviously, people who help me get interviews for the show and you know, sometimes feed me a little bit of information. But I contacted WWE directly to let them know not only how great Santos Escobar was in that interview, but that this is a guy that needs to be a face of the company type of dude. You want to put this guy front and center. He has that passion and love for WWE that is very similar to Drew McIntyre, where they see the opportunity in front of them and they want to do everything they can, not just to push the company forward, but push themselves forward and you know extend their influence and star power and really become big names in this company. And we've talked about the Mexican and Latin stars that have come through WWE. And you guys know I've said this on this podcast. I think that they overpushed Alberto Del Rio, who wasn't that good, wasn't that enticing or entertaining. And he just, he didn't really have what I think WWE needed to be that next big Latin star 
for the company. I do think they missed on Andrade. We've talked about that extensively on the show, but if we're being fair and critical and, and legitimate, Andrade's inability to speak English in a way in which he can get across extended themes and storylines and really go above and beyond the boilerplate promo, it did limit him in the eyes of WWE, despite the fact that he's an incredible personality, good-looking dude, and someone who definitely could have been the face. He just can't be the voice of WWE. That was the problem with Andrade. And we've talked about how Angel Garza has a high ceiling. There's the Eddie Guerrero comparisons with him. He's still young. Humberto Carrillo, maybe not as much. A little bit disappointed with what we've seen from him so far. But there is no question that Santos Escobar can be that guy for WWE. From the gimmick and the, the machismo to the swagger, the name, the presence. He's a good-looking dude as well. And the love for the company and the desire to want to push NXT and WWE forward. Something I didn't ask him about, but I saw him say in another interview, is one of his two career goals is just to meet and talk to Vince McMahon. Now, I'm not saying that should be the end-all be-all, but he sees that as such a big stepping stone in his career that to him, it's a level of achievement. And you don't need to be a WWE bootlicker or ultimate fan or someone who doesn't criticize the product, which you guys know we criticize WWE, NXT, everything. We're equal opportunity criticizers on this podcast. You don't need to be, though, one of those people to understand how important it is to have that mentality if you want to succeed in WWE. And Santos Escobar has that mentality. It was a great interview. I got so much insight from talking to him. He was so expansive in his answers. That's what you want as an interviewer from an interviewee. He absolutely crushed it. And I'm glad I got to present that to all of you guys. So that's it for the show. An extended, as promised edition of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast, NXT TakeOver, Stand and Deliver, Ultimate Preview, plus that one-on-one interview with Santos Escobar. I hope all of you enjoy it immensely. Do not forget, we have an absolutely loaded week upcoming. On Monday, we will be back with a special WWE WrestleMania 37 interview episode. Drew McIntyre joins us for the second time and 2021 Royal Rumble winner, Bianca Belair, the EST of SmackDown. I guess that doesn't really work as well. The EST of WWE, the woman who wants to put the EST in WrestleMania joins us for the very first time. We will be back on Tuesday with a WrestleMania 37 Ultimate Preview, a two-night show we're gonna break down every match and storyline on that card. We will be back on Thursday with instant analysis after the two-night NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. We'll tape that moments after night two ends, and we will return on Friday with a WrestleMania 37 Go Home podcast. We're just gonna talk about what happens on that Go Home SmackDown. Final thoughts for WrestleMania. Should be a short show, but we just wanna give you a little extra taste of the Silver King. You know that's always a good thing before we get into WrestleMania. And then we will be back on Sunday after WrestleMania goes off the air with instant analysis of both nights of WrestleMania 37. This week is absolutely loaded. The Silver King is going to be running on fumes, but I need you all to be with us. I need you to be marks for the Silver King and the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. Head on over to Apple Podcasts drop those five-star ratings and reviews to let us know how much you love the show. Let other people know how much you love the show. This is the week 
I want those reviews coming in. Do me that honor. Do me that favor. I would appreciate it. And if you have not already, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. If you don't have a Twitter, make a Twitter and then follow us at Getting Overcast because we are going to, in addition to releasing episodes and a place where you can send us questions for the show via DM, you can participate in our pre and post show polls. We will start doing, and we just started on Friday, live audio pre-shows and live audio shows. Maybe I have an eight-hour drive to Augusta, Georgia coming up on Monday. Maybe I'm going to hop on and do a live audio show during in the car while I'm driving. I, you don't know. It's, it can happen at any time. That's the great thing about following us at Getting Overcast on Twitter. That's it. The Silver King is losing his voice, and I need to retain it for that long week of shows that we just talked about. So thank you all for listening to this NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview. With that, as always, I'm going to leave you with three final words. Bye for now.